And this Sunday, we are focused on the idea of generosity. This is Generosity Sunday uh, here here at Emmaus. What does it look like for God to work in and through us to to share the good news of Jesus with the world around us? That we proclaim, we use our words to speak about Jesus. We want to be a church that speaks a lot about Jesus. And we want to show the love of Jesus with our lives as we meet needs and care for people. And we do that close by and we do that around the world. And the question is, how is this topic of generosity connected to God's work in your life? Right where you are, whatever you're facing, what does God want to say to you this morning from his word? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Let me pray over us as we begin this morning. Father, thank you for what it means together to remember your greatness that you hold us fast, that you hold us together through all that we go through in life. God, thank you for the gift of a church. We know we live in a world where it's so easy uh, for people to speak badly about the church, and we know we all bring baggage, and we've been through hard times, and there are difficulties involved, but God, thank you for what it means to gather together as part of a church family to worship you, remember the gospel, think about what it is to live in this world for you, and God, I pray that you continue to do that work in our lives this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've mentioned a couple of times uh, that recently our family has watched multiple times uh, the movie Encanto. Some people say Encanto. Probably, quite possibly my favorite Disney Pixar movie of all time. But uh, in Encanto, some of those songs have actually made it onto the top playlist anywhere on Spotify or Billboard list. There's one song in particular that just gets stuck in your head about we don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Um, so you go around, if you don't know this song, you listen to it a couple of times, it's gonna stick with you. Uh, so in the movie, Bruno is the family member that nobody talks about. You know that family member or family situation, your family that nobody talks about, but you all know it exists. That's kind of Bruno. So we don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Well, in church life, it sometimes works out that we don't talk about money, no, no, no. <laughs> like, uh, we don't talk about Bruno, we don't, we don't talk about money. Wh- what's the challenge behind not talking about money in, in church life? I have to admit to some personal anxiety uh, when it just comes to the topic of money. I have no particular reason to be anxious. I grew up in an extremely fa- a stable home I'm so thankful for, and the Lord's been so blessed, blessed us so much, but just a lot of personal anxiety when you start to think about money and, and how that plays itself out in your life. I struggle speaking about this this morning, most specifically because I realize in the world that we live in, the economic uncertainty, uh, the challenges that that you're facing, and and let me say this just really directly. One of the things that that worries me about 
something like this this morning, is you could come in here and think, oh, and I'm going through some really, really difficult stuff in life. And there's about a list of 20 sermon topics that would have been super helpful and directed to me this morning, and, and this doesn't feel like the one. And you come in and think, well, what's this have to say to me? Hang tight. I, I, I know without a doubt the Lord will work through his word because we know that when we start to talk about these topics of money, so many different things are involved. And, and there are people who frankly have been driven away from church and wanted nothing to do with the Lord and have a lot of confusion about the gospel and, and church experiences because of the topic of money. Uh, this idea that if I give enough money, I should be blessed, or if I give enough money, I can be a part of the church, or all these things that are involved. And friends, I want you this morning to hear the gospel. And we are going to get there, and we are going to guide through this scripture. We want to say, what does God's word say about this? But I do want you to know it matters that we talk about this topic. It matters because Jesus talked about it. <laughs> when you go to the Bible and you look at Scripture and how much Scripture speaks to the topic of generosity and stewardship and what do we do with the resources in, in our lives. And no matter what you're going through now in life, you could be in the worst possible life situation and all these crises are coming at you and you took everything you had just to get to church this morning. Here's the crazy thing about life. No matter what you're going through in life, financial realities do not go away. It impacts every one of us, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's happening in your family, no matter what's going on us, around us in the world, guess what? You still have to have financial conversations, and you still have to make decisions about money, and you still have to figure out how I'm going to honor the Lord. And sometimes in the middle of life crises, it feels like the temperature gets turned up on the financial conversations to 10 because you've got all this other pressure going on in life, and you still have to figure out what are we going to do with finances here. But this idea of how it's connected to spiritual growth, how God does this work in our lives. And someone was talking with me recently and just saying, we can't be afraid to talk about this as a church because at the end of the day, we are incredibly excited about the work that God is doing in and through us and how that work is spreading around the world and what God wants to do in our church. And so if you're a guest of ours this morning, I know you didn't sign up for the money Sunday at, at church. I, I realize that. But I do know that God wants to work in your life. And I could say this in particular, if you're a guest of ours this morning. One of the reasons I'm glad to talk about this from God's word this morning is because I am excited about what God is doing in our church family. Some of the things we have in front of us, plans, opportunities, and, and just the way our church is generous to one another and cares for one another. So I give you that as let's go at this and let's see what God's word has to say about this this morning. So from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want to give you six factors that impact generosity. There's a couple of statements along here that will really be guiding statements for us. But, but six factors that, that drive us to generosity. And then at the end, we're going to get to the most important part. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Let's start right there. It says, we want you to know, brothers... Verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Now, you might have to pull out your world map, Google Maps, to kind of figure out some, where some of these places are located here. But, but Paul is writing here to Corinth, to a, an area kind of in the southern part of Greece. He's writing these churches, but he's writing about the churches in Macedonia. They're up a little further north. This has been Philippi, Thessalonica, even pushing up not too far into what's kind of modern-day Serbia, that, that area of the world. This is that area. So there's these churches in Macedonia, 
And Paul is writing about how they've been giving. And it says here, I want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. People that are generous, churches that have gener- are generous have been impacted by God's grace. How does this work? <laughs> well, you reach a point in your life that you realize how much God has given you. Every good and perfect gift is from him. Everything I have is because of God's grace toward, toward me. The more I know about God's giving, God's grace toward me, the more that sets me free to turn around and give to others. We've been blessed in order to be a blessing. God's grace has been poured into our lives so that we can turn around and pour that grace into those around us. We realize that we truly understand God's grace and mercy and forgiveness when we're able to turn around and share that with others. The reason the Macedonian churches were able to minister is because they knew God's grace. Friends, everything that you have, those resources, the job, the opportunities, a gift from God, that he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. You have been blessed in order to be a blessing. Verse two, what do we know about these churches of Macedonia? Well, it says, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, this is some of that strange Bible math, okay? <laughs> some of that strange Bible math. Suffering plus joy plus poverty equals generosity. What's going on here is these churches in Macedonia, which have been, they've been giving to this relief of, of the impoverished saints that lived in Jerusalem, the people in Jerusalem, they've been giving to this fund, and they've been giving to it in the middle of their lives falling apart and them not having very much money. But at the core, what do you see there? What word do you see? Joy. God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> that they have so experienced God's work in their life that even in the middle of suffering, even in the middle of poverty, what is their life characterized by? Joy and generosity. And notice, they're not giving in order to be brought out of their poverty. They're giving because they understand God is in control and God is at work. I want to put a phrase in front of you. Write this down, students, create a, a, a foam background, do whatever you can to put this phrase in front of you. It comes from a friend of mine who pastors First Baptist Church of New Orleans. Here's the phrase. Generosity is about a spiritual condition, not a financial position. All right? Generosity, the way that God would work through your life to bless others, is about your spiritual condition. It's not about your financial position which means being generous to others, giving to others, giving as part of the church family, it doesn't begin when you reach financial wealth. It begins right where you are. That right now, how God is at work in your life, and and knowing that we give from the first fruits, not the leftovers. God's given us these things, and we're gonna turn around and be generous not because we're financially wealthy, but because our hearts are devoted to the Lord. It's because of our spiritual condition in life, not our financial position. And students, I know this is hard, but friends, this starts now with $10 and $100, because what you do with $10 and $100 will be very indicative of what you do with $1,000 and $10,000 down the road. 
It, be, it begins now to know that, that my generosity, the way I serve, the way I do these things, it flows because of God's work in my life. That's number two. Look at number three. This will be verse three and four. It says, They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Generosity is about personal discipline and sacrifice, not being guilted into giving. To know that they're giving according to their means. Meaning not everybody's going to give the same amount. Not everybody has the same amount of resources, but they're giving according to their means. There's, there's a budget in place. There's a plan in place. And they're giving beyond their means. Meaning we're not setting up a percentage or amount and saying, well, I've reached that. I'm done. No, no. It's like God's blessed, and we're going to give beyond our means. And this great phrase there in verse 3, of their own accord. <laughs> They're giving because it's coming from within, not because they've been guilted into it. They're giving because God has worked in their life up to this point, and they want to be prepared for what's ahead. They want to have margin in their life to be able to be sacrificial. A couple of things that might be helpful in this. On Wednesday nights at Emmaus, we have a class devoted to getting your finances together, figuring out how do I develop some discipline with my finances, how do I learn to be generous and sacrificial? Uh, that class is ready to go this Wednesday night. Small problem, uh, there seems to be a winter storm of sorts <laughs> that is aiming at us on, on the middle of the week. So here's what I want to tell you. If you could use some help with financial discipline, if you could use some help getting your finances together and preparing for what does it look like to give and make these type of decisions, Wednesday night at six o'clock, want you to be here. We'll get you connected with that group. Unless we're snowed in or iced in or we're going to get messages out to you to let you know that, that that's not going to happen. We want to be able to develop these plans. We want you to have this discipline and then to be sacrificial, that, that you're giving regularly to the church, that you have margin where you can give to other projects that are going on that we're going to talk about or your Sunday school class. And then I know many of you, almost all of us, you give to things outside the church that we're not going to give to as a whole church, but they're things that matter to you, and they're missionaries you're connected to and groups you're connected to. And, and so you're giving in those ways, and you're doing it because of God's work in your life. Look at what comes next in verse 5. Verse 5, it says, This giving, not just as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Man, what a great phrase. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Before they were giving financially, giving of their resources to people around them, it came from a heart of worship. When you are worshiping the Lord, when you are devoting your life to him, when you are giving your life back to the Lord, he will then show you what his will is, the way that you can give to others. When you start to give to others in order to earn your standing with God, Friends, be so careful in that situation. People get caught in that trap. Maybe they were away from the Lord for a long time or they haven't been involved in church in a long time and they think, I need to give so that I can get back right with God. Does not work that way. Does not work that way. That my life is devoted to the Lord, that I am worshiping him and as an overflow of that worship, I want to serve others. I want to be generous. I want to take all these things he's given me and give them back. It begins though with devotion to the Lord. Verse 6, 
Accordingly, Paul says, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Generosity, this is point number five, the fifth factor of generosity here in these verses, it comes as we are encouraged by others. Generosity, in a lot of ways, is, is, a, is a, team, uh, a teamwork. I wanted to say, and I'm going to go ahead and say it because I can't, I can't pull back now, but we're going to talk about how generosity is contagious. Uh, seemed like a good idea a couple of weeks ago when I was building some notes for the sermon. Seems less like a good idea now, but it truly is the fact that generosity is contagious. As you are overflowing in generosity, we're able to encourage others that you need people in your life not everybody, obviously, but you need people who are able to speak into your life and say, how are you honoring the Lord with your money right now? Young couples, those of you who are dating, preparing for marriage, newly married, I cannot begin to tell you how important it is to have a mentor couple, a couple you can look up to and ask questions about finances in your marriage. You talk about a point of conflict, a point of tension in, in marriage, you need somebody in your lives that you're able to look up to and say, I need your encouragement. I need your direction. Um, maybe you've pulled up to a drive through window before and somebody's doing that whole pay it forward game where you know, they paid for your stuff and then you feel this super awkward obligation to pay for you know, whoever's behind. You hate to be the one to break this cycle of, of, of generosity. This idea here that Titus is sent here not to guilt them but to encourage them, hey, keep this going. The Lord's at work, keep going. As a church family, we come alongside one another to say, we're not all going to be able to give the same amount, but we're going to encourage one another to give. We're not going to be a stingy church. We're going to be a generous church, and that happens when we do that together. Look at the next verse, verse 7. Paul says, As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, See that you excel in this act of grace also. This idea that generosity is connected to all of life. It's integrated with all the things that we do in life. That as you grow spiritually, you're also growing in generosity. Because what's the danger here? The danger is I have my church life my Christian life, my spiritual life. I'm trying to go to church as much as I can. I'm trying to grow in faith. I want to be a more loving person. And then over here in another box, oh yeah, I've got my money. Be so careful about living a life where everything is separated into compartments. Work, family, money, play. Oh yeah, I've got my spiritual life. It's connected. As I grow spiritually, that has a direct impact on generosity. And generosity, the way I handle finances, the way I think about these things, is part of my spiritual growth. Money, in and of itself, is not evil. We know love of money, being dominated by it, worshiping it, yeah, that, that is wrong. But as we grow in our spiritual life, it's going to show up in how we handle money. The way we handle money reveals, in a very scary way, what we believe about God and, and his work in our life and what he's what he's doing in, in the world around us. You see this generosity being built. And can I just say, one of the cool things about being a part of Emmaus is thanks for being a generous church. A church that when it started in 1986, started with generosity. A church that was incredibly generous during the tornado years, even as generosity was shown to us, <laughs> that the church turned around and blessed others and, and cared for other people, 
And we want that to define us in the years ahead, that, that as we proclaim and display Jesus through our worship and through connecting in the church and through going out into the world, we're doing that. And, and we're, we're trying to be generous to our neighbors around us right here, and we want to be generous around the world to the nations, that, that none of that stops. I love this phrase, everything we have is from God, everything we have is for God. Everything we have, everything we have is a gift from God, from the hand of the Father, and therefore we say, God, you've given this to me, I want to use it for you. Everything I have is from you. Everything I have is for you. The question then becomes, how do we carry this into the future? What does this look like moving forward? How do we continue to honor the Lord with our resources and our buildings on campus and the people that God has put in front of us? This is going to look like a lot of different things, but I want to share with you what's right in front of us right now. We are getting ready to start, and when I say we're getting ready to start, like it's starting right now, what we're calling our On The Way campaign. Our On The Way campaign is related to phase one of our master plan project. So stay with me. I want to show you some pictures here in just a second about this, especially if you're a guest. You wouldn't have seen these some people in Emmaus wouldn't have seen these either. But uh, we're starting this On The Way project, phase one of three phases of the master plan. We're, we're getting started right now, hoping, desiring, going to do everything we can to take care of phase one with cash, not having to take out loans or do any type of interest or line of credit. We'd love to be able to knock out this first phase. In attempt, the goal is to build community as a part of our church family, to connect with our church family, and also to connect with the community around us, that these are opportunities we can do these things. Let me show you first a picture of our master plan, okay? You guys that are running the, uh, the computer, running the slides, you may have to, if you can get your mouse up, I don't know if you can. I didn't bring my laser pointer because it performed so badly last time I had it, and I was incredibly embarrassed, so I don't know if you can do laser, anything with your mouse or not, but... Uh, you can see there's the, the mouse is over our current worship center. That's where, where you're sitting right now. Western Avenue is off, off to the right over there. We have, as a church family, part of what defines Emmaus is God's grace in giving us such an incredible piece of property uh, here, here at the church. So we have this entire back part of our property that hasn't been, hasn't been fully developed and really hasn't been utilized in a lot of ways. And so we're trying to think through how we do that. Phase one. The first part of phase one that's probably 95% finished is down there at the bottom. You can't see the numbers, but if you guys will go over to the youth room. Sorry, go over to the youth room area there in the back. Yeah, right there. We were able to double the size of our youth room, and when we get into phase uh, two, we'll actually be able to triple the size of the youth room, but right now we've been able to, to double it. But back in the back is what we're focused on right now. So we have a barn, we need to expand it to fit in a few more things. And then we're gonna develop a pavilion and a playground and there's gonna be a walking track going around. And according to this rendering, there's gonna be a lot of trees. <laughs> I can't promise you that there will be that many trees. Uh, I think they got really excited with the tree button when they started, uh, started building this particular thing, but there's a lot of trees back there. There's gonna be places that we can host uh, t-ball teams and soccer teams and flag football teams, being able to, to be back there in that property. So that's kind of the big picture of the master plan. 
what's right in front of us. Next step is we're working on a pavilion that's gonna be back there in, in that particular area. So you guys can go to the next slide and show a couple of architecture renderings. Oh, there we go. Architect renderings of, of the pavilion. The goal with the pavilion is it'd be a place for a family reunion, a Sunday school party. During the pandemic, we learned the value of flexible outdoor spaces and how important that is for a church to have. This is a place that you can host birthday parties, just name it, you can, you can hopefully be able to do it in that area back there. It's gonna be available to be a little playground out there, a set of restrooms in the back. Apparently a place to park your blue car uh, if, if you need it down there. So uh, I, I don't know who gets that parking space. Maybe the pastor, I'm not sure, but uh, there's a place to park your car uh, down there at the bottom. But it'll be this fun outdoor space. And not, not an over-exaggeration at all, but when I think about that space, I think seriously of families being reconciled, coming together for birthday parties and, and family reunions, I think about Sunday school classes that spend 45 minutes or an hour on Sunday morning and they really realize that we don't know each other particularly well, but they're out there doing Sunday school parties while the kids are playing on the, on the playgrounds. I think about moms and dads bringing their kids up for t-ball practice or flag football practice and they haven't been connected to church in years and as they come to these practices and, and we're able to invest in their life, that their hearts are drawn back to the Lord. You think about those type of things that, that God would do in allowing us to build communities of church, but also to re reach out to our community. So one of the questions in, in front of us, and I wanna be really careful about this this morning, but one of the questions we have to think as a church is, how are we gonna begin to raise the money that gets us to that? Because we're not backing away from missions. <laughs> and we have our budget in front of us of how we're gonna to seek to minister to the community. But we have this in front of us. So the question I would ask you is, how would God lead you to give toward this on the way campaign? What would God do in your heart that you say, I wanna be generous, I'm already being generous, I wanna be able to give as part of this campaign? If you're a member of Emmaus, you're gonna get an old school snail mail letter from me this week, okay? If you're a member of Emmaus, you're gonna get a letter this week that's gonna have in it a pledge card where you can pray and say, Lord, I'd like to give this amount, I'm excited about this, I wanna be able to, to give this. You're also gonna get an email if you don't really like hard copy pledge cards, you're gonna get an email where you can click a link and it's gonna take you to a place that you can, you can make a pledge. Back here in our lobby, on this north side, you're gonna see a big board against the wall. We're not, do, we're not doing the old like fill up the thermometer, you know, type of, type of, we have a big walking track and we're gonna fill in that walking track as people make pledges and, and give toward this, this campaign. So you're gonna see that walking track point of clarity that came up again this morning. The walking track itself will not cost $300,000, okay? So you're filling up the walking track. The walking track just represents the full project. It doesn't represent $300,000 for the walking track. That'd be an awesome walking track. That would be the walking track that like moves you. It's like the moving sidewalk. So, uh, which some of you would use more if we had a moving sidewalk walking track, but the goal is that you're exercising and, and you're moving and you're doing prayer walking and things like that, but we're gonna have that, have that out there. I'm excited about this, not just because of the project, which is gonna be a lot of fun, it's gonna be fun to see our church to come together. I'm excited because of the way it allows us to reach out to our community and connect with people and build relationships, and because this is a step on the way to a preschool and children's building, to other developments down the road, fun things coming. I say that 
to say, now let me tell you the most important thing. That's not the most important thing. Verse nine. 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. Here's what I really want you to go home with. For you know, this is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Hear the gospel this morning. Hear the good news. You came in here this morning and the last thing you wanted was a money sermon. Guess what? It's not a money sermon. It's a gospel sermon. This is what we're trying to get to. This whole idea of God's grace being poured out in our lives and the way we're able to turn around and share that with others. That Jesus, fully God, gave of himself, came and took on human flesh, became human so that he would live and then die for you, die in your place for your sins, taking upon himself our poverty, not our financial poverty, but the poverty of our existence, our sin, and our, broken, our brokenness. And in exchange, we give you life, forgiveness, reconciliation with God, eternal life forever, that because of what he did for you on the cross and through the resurrection, that you would know what it is to be truly rich. Many of us, most of us, we're never gonna know 1% worldly wealth. But it is not a cheesy thing to say that you know riches and blessing that go beyond anything this world could ever imagine. That because of what Jesus did for you, because of who Jesus is, that when you turn to him and you trust in him and you devote your life to him, there's riches and blessing and grace that is poured out into your life that goes beyond anything this world could ever give. And I pray you know that. That if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, maybe your life has been consumed by the money of this world. Maybe you are one of the people like me that is just so anxious when it comes to finances and these things in your life. The stability of your life is not found in your financial position. It's found in your spiritual condition. The stability of your life has nothing to do with your wealth. It has to do with your worship. That you would turn to the Lord and say, I give give my life to you. We're gonna end the service by singing a song about the gospel. Because when you leave here, I want you to be thinking gospel. This week, when you open the mail, then you can think on the way campaign, I'm gonna make a pledge, I'm excited about this. But we're gonna leave here thinking about the gospel. And if you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, during this final song, I would love to pray with you about that. If you're here this morning and and you're just in a tough place in life and you need someone to pray with you, we'll be here at the front. We want to be able to do that. We want to be able to pray with you about whatever you're facing in life. Friends, let me read it one more time for you. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Let's pray together. Father, we know that we live in a world that it's so easy to get caught up into anxieties about money. It's so easy just to get dominated by consumerism and consumption and all these things that go on around us. But God, we know at the end of the day how we handle finances reveals so much about what we believe about you God, I pray for these students 
as they're thinking about first jobs, as they're thinking about being generous to their friends, about being part of the church, God, I pray for young families, young couples in our church. I know we have many that are, are coming to retirement, having to make significant financial decisions. Father, we want to honor you in those ways. God, I'm so excited about what you're doing through our church family, what that's going to look like in the years ahead. Not just buildings or, or projects, but connection with missionaries around the world, continue involvement in our community. And God, at the end of the day, help us to go home thinking about the gospel. That death has been defeated. That Jesus took on our sin on the cross. He defeated death through the resurrection. And because of his poverty, we can know true riches, true life. So God, help us seen right now. Help us before we check out of today. Help us seen with all of our hearts. And God, I pray if there's anybody here today who needs to become a Christian right now, God, that you would guide them and empower them to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.